Today on This American Dice, we present to you Demi-Humans, a game designed by Robert Bowl and brought to you by Evil Hat Games. This is our first episode where we actually get to playing the game. If you want to hear our character creation and world creation, check out Session Zero, which should also be published today as well. Demi-Humans is a game that takes the traditional tropes of Tolkien-esque D&D fantasy and adds to it elements of dealing with colonialism, systemic racism, and environmental degradation. So, join our cast of characters as they explore a world and an enclave of Demi-Humans. The first thing we we do is to make this thing called a common wheel move, which is kind of the, the move to see how good the uh, the enclave is doing. Mm. So, um, especially since there's a chance you might not be able to make it next time, if Eduardo, you want to make that first roll. Yeah. Roll, what, what roll two need? of those dice and uh, add right. one to it because we have one civility. <laughs> so, six? Uh, yeah, that's the, that's the worst you can get. <laughs> that's okay. Of three options. All those practice yeah. rolls. <laughs> I know, I know. I touched so many dice. That's what it was. So on a miss in this case, um, you would choose one boon and all threats and banes may be in play. So How exciting. You still get a boon, though, because you rolled. So I want drama. This could happen sometime in this session, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll let you pick. We have... Um, one person has the price that life demands, so the uh, kind of like the upkeep of your character. Mm-hmm. But you could give it to anyone, theoretically you, since you're the one picking it. But um, someone finds some info from one of these uh, like library uh, books. Fun. Or the guild, the guild um, of the the dwarven guild mm-hmm. um, crafters, I think that were in there, um, provide some kind of accoutrement if you need it. So a good thing does occur. Yeah. Okay. It's just access to all the bad things is open. And also all the bad things could come into play. Anymore. Gotcha. So is any one of those three sound good to you? Um, I, explain this first one because I'm kind of confused. Life demands? What do you mean? Um, so that's actually, actually let's, I'll skip ahead to the, the next step is going to be the the price that life demands actually. And then you can hold off on that to see if you want to uh, get it paid off. Cool. So I think in, if you open up your, your little book there. Lifestyle, yeah. So everyone has one of these, and you basically have to pay a certain amount. If I'm not mistaken, I think you two, um, by that I mean Viscous and um, Tain start with six, I think. Yeah, I do for sure. And uh, you start with six and only three. Well, you, you have two, at least two spouses to provide for, so that kind of makes sense. And uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Guy doesn't start with any. Yeah, I got none and I need none. All I gotta do is go to the wilderness to get my bodily needs met. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Wait, it was, he yeah, great. That <laughs> <laughs> He's holding a potted plant mm-hmm. over his lap. <laughs> so, uh, knowing that, do, do you want to pick that boon or one of these other two? The info or the free accoutrement? Um, let's go with the info from the library since it's a part of the world. Cool. All right. I'm sure the dwarves guild could get me something, but I got money. It'd be different if I was like boar. If I was the boar, but I'm not. All right, awesome. So I'm gonna keep that in mind, and it'll, I'll work that into this thing if I'm on top of my game. But let's let's do your lifestyle in that case. Are you gonna do one or two or zero? 
think you just die if you do zero. Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't want that. Um, two. Um, spend two gold to have food you can metabolize. If you cannot, or do not want to spend the gold, let the troop know, and the demiurge will ask questions. I don't want any questions. <laughs> Give me food. <laughs> there you go. Especially because I know gnomes in this world are having trouble essentially mm-hmm. living, so. Yeah. So yeah, fair enough. So just mark down that you're two, two fewer, and what about Sarkis? Okay, so it kind of messes me up a little bit, just going to note that. Um, because if I spend one, then I get harm. But if I spend two, I can have time, and I only have three. But then I can do more things to earn money. Yeah. So just let's do two, because I don't want to... It's too early for harm. Fair enough. I live with enough time among the wild things. But yeah, so just mark down somewhere that you're down to one, and then in the future, when you have um, kind of, oh, nothing's going on, what do you do? I'll probably ask to do one of those gigs, and they kind of give you some example things you can do. But anyway, Tane, what about you? So, Tane, um, I think Tane's busy. He's He's got to go to work each day. He wants to make sure that he's making money. And um, sure, he could spend two gold to make sure that he spends sufficient time under the earth and with uh, proper dwarven surroundings and mm-hmm. uh, stuff. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't. And so he does take one harm because he gets lesions, it says. Oh, and you suffer one harm from lesion due to insufficient time underground. So... Um, yeah, I think his, like, desire to go to work and do that stuff has kind of kept him or prevented him from being sure to go into the dwarven, to slumber like a proper dwarf in the earth. It's the earth's embrace. What are these lesions? Are they, like, a? because you said, wasn't it, like, a had, like, Thicker skin or something, right? So a lot of the dwarves, especially older dwarves, have, like, thicker, more, like, almost petrified kind of skin. Mm-hmm. He is very, very young, and he's also half-human. So he doesn't have that. His human just looks like human skin. Um, so with most dwarves, this kind of thing would look almost like they're cracking. And, like, there are, like, fissures running through, like, throughout them, and they're starting to fall apart. And maybe that's actually what happens. Oh, so is this... If this becomes... I think that, like, maybe what happens is if this becomes a big enough problem and they're kept completely from the earth, then they... Yeah, they just fall apart like old stones. Is it almost like your skin is, like, thinning out since you're not there? Or is it thickening up? Um, We're just getting drier. Yeah, I think for him, it looks more like, and it's something more severe than that. But right now, it just looks like significant eczema. Like, really bad, like, eczema. Maybe you can see some of the veins. So he doesn't look great. Uh, This isn't the time for the calendar photo shoot of Tane. Um, But he's just like, oh, oh, geez. And maybe, like, make sure to wear, like, longer sleeve clothes and pop up Mm -hmm. a collar in case he's like, like, ugh. I I got the hives. Kind of a thing, and but I still got to go to work. Also, just, just to remind you, you do get um, 
one goal at the behind the session because you're you're a rich little boy. I just have. I'm doing okay. I'm not rich. I've got a steady job, and honestly, just trying to just trying to make my way. Yeah. Downtown, so. going fast, and then piano. And then, um, what about Gree? <clears throat> I guess. I mean, I don't have to spend money, and I don't earn money. <laughs> So I think hmm, yours just says be in the wilderness. Yeah, and it, doesn't it say do you just have the option of, oh, do you think you've spent wilderness time? Yeah. Do you think you have? <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're starting from ground zero. Yeah. That's not ground zero. Square one. We're starting from square one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think, and may- maybe my default wilderness is my little cave area. Yeah, I think that makes sense. The grove, um, right? Yeah. That's how it is. I was gonna say you'd like live there. A place within the enclave, free from civilization, where wilderness reigns. Ooh, faint. Mm-hmm. Hidden underground, with water running through it, and it has a bi- wide variety of rare plants. And a proto troll. Right. <laughs> Swimming about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just waiting for its vine. Right. The Golden Age. The squalid world you live in was once a far finer place. The Golden Age was a time of unparalleled wonders. It was ruled by those who came before. Beings who wrought great works of magic in that ancient era. Wonders that can scarcely be imagined in these threadbare days. The magical spark of the impossible that was set burning in the Golden Age is a mere guttering ember now, as we live our lives under the human boutique. In that finer age, those before witnessed the birth of the Elder Peoples. Us dwarves, as well as the elves and the trolls, and shepherded them in their infancy. As these peoples woke to the light of sapience, they began caring for the world on behalf of those before. For millennia, they tended the land, water, and sky. Soon came the nascent peoples, first the halflings. Humans rapidly expanded into the lands of other peoples and conquered or made alliances, all the while focused on learning the ways of other cultures and stealing those secrets not freely shared. In time, they sought to expand by conquest rather than friendship. The war. The blood singers tell of the rise of the orcs. How we cultivated the valley we were birthed in. How we moved outward, built cities, and brought others under our protection. And how jealous and inept the humans were when we first met. But I've seen the truth. I've become a sage and can interpret the blood chaos better than anyone. The war was the unmaking of my people. The golden age died with the first battle of that unnamed war. Orcs and humans wanted each to rule the world and we were both willing to pay whatever it cost in dignity and honor. Countless generations the war lasted with the magic used by both sides growing more destructive and harder to control. Before long, ruling the world wasn't enough. We each wanted the other exterminated, and we were willing to violate the spark to do it. We drew all of the peoples of the world into our war, whether they wanted it or not. The humans tore a hole into another plane of existence and kidnapped an entire civilization, the gnome. They were meant to be humanity's spies. Instead, their inventiveness and curiosity made them difficult to predict or control. In the end, the damned humans beat us anyway. Our hopes of exterminating them and ruling the world came to less than nothing. We lost everything. 
We are now in what my dwarvish friend Farin calls the Fallen Age. Most humans have never heard of that phrase, but I think it's the best way to describe our time. Since I moved my bakery to the enclave of Anaheima, my eyes have been opened. While my people live in a human utopia, the lives of non-human people in my community are a nightmare. The Empyrean rules over lands that non-humans made fertile during the Golden Age. But now, non-humans, aeons of effort, are taken as our human destiny manifested. During the war, eras of mandatory military service and intra-Empyrean trade produced an empire that now encompasses the known world. As a result, in any human city, you're going to find a wide variety of humans from many cultures. But while the war has made life sweet for my people, it seems to have broken magic. Most humans think trolls are a myth. We bought, stole, and swindled the dwarves out of their mountains. And now they roam the surface world, sun-blinded. The elves that remain will fade away to their next world. We are remaking the whole world for our need. Demi-humans. The Imperium's got a language problem. Humans are an overgrown offshoot of my people, but what do they call us? Halflings! Half of what? And they call anyone who isn't human a demi-human. And what does that mean in their language? The language they force us to teach our children? It means half-human. Half-human. Their violence is everywhere, even in their tongue. Most humans have never met anyone not human. We're just stories. Even those who think they know us well have no idea of the daily indignities we endure. Humans treat gnomes like adorable, capering monkeys at best. They treat every halfling family as though it were full of cutthroat criminals. Trolls are hunted like prize game and their body parts sold at market as trophies and good luck charms. The enclaves most of us live in vary a lot. They may be ghettos we've been driven into by local law, districts with limited sovereignty, or sections that humans have abandoned and are too scared to enter. But in the places they let us live, we do our best to thrive. We build community together. Wormtown, which is kind of, if you remember, built in the ruins of this like old dwarven kingdom. Mm-hmm. Maybe the sun is rising in the, like, I don't know, from behind the mountains or something. And see like the uh, the light come shine on this uh, the valley below where the those humans are maybe just starting to wake up down there. Their smokestacks haven't started yet, but they will. So you can't quite smell them yet. But Sir Keys, you had said that. You kind of have a ritual in the morning, right? Every morning you like to share um, this special seed with uh, one of your dependents. 
So it could be Glint, it could be one of your spouses, depending on right. how that relationship okay. works. It could be all three. So so because we elves live in a treehouse cove and we have the cubby cage underneath, um, every morning all of the elves would go down to the cage and then feed the giant quail um, the seed. And then like, you know, maybe there's little other little creatures and stuff from the land um, that just run up. So we're sort of all also generally feeding seeds to any little woodland creatures that are coming up because they know every morning that we're feeding seeds to, to the cubby. Um, and the and just tending to the giant eggs and everything. So any little, little um, quails that are not quite giant quails yet, like, we're just feeding all of them. Oh, okay. I've, you've just caused so many questions to happen for me. So, <laughs> it, are these regular quails that you're kind of infusing with magic to make giant quails? I feel that they're maybe ancient, like years ago, they were probably regular quails. Mm-hmm. But through elven breeding, they're now just giant. Like, they're always giant. They lay giant eggs. Um, and they're just, they're just giant quails. So you guys like affected them enough in yes. ancient times that now mm-hmm. this is what this they This is are. how they are now. Okay, cool. There might be regular ass quails out in the real world. <laughs> ass quails. <laughs> I was thinking quail eugenics. <laughs> but they're, you know, just like a, any, like a dog breed basically. Now they are their own thing. I like, like that. Yeah. Quail great deans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. If you get a heritage breed quail, they're <laughs> totally different. They're very small, but yeah, they can also speak. Right. Jeez. Why have you done this to my people? <laughs> Please, I beg you, reason. And then, are, are there a bunch of quails? Or is it Glint the only one? Glint is mine, mm-hmm. in particular. And but so Glint's Are there, like, a whole... So thing. Glint's, like, the biggest one, and there are other ones. So Glint mm-hmm. lays the eggs, and then there's... Like the babies that have already hatched are like maybe I don't know like if, human people size. Right, I was gonna say like if if, oh, if Lint is like seven foot tall, then maybe they're like four foot or something. Um, so there's there's more of them because the other elves are, will eventually you know need their own. So. Amazing. So is is Glint like the the queen among quail? Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Glint cool. is the special one because you know that's why I chose Glint. So. Quail queen. Quail queen. Yeah. I hope she answers to that because I probably <laughs> will say queen. it at some point. Quail queen glint. So is this, um, so in this, at this time, you've probably done this, you know, all your life, but maybe, maybe relatively recently doing it here, but, um, are you doing it alone? Are your spouse there? Are there other elves? Uh, it's, it's mostly, I want to say just it's me in the morning alone, like I'm the first one that goes out there and I start with Glint, but then, and I do like all of the other little woodland creatures, but then maybe later, like, you know, because I'm the first one up and then the rest of them, they'll just kind of make their way down and just tend to the rest of them. Yeah, and um, Sir Keys is kind of just the, uh, the de facto leader of them, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. And another question. Um, for viscous, you said you've observed this several times. Are you observing it right now? Not today. Not today. Okay. Gotcha. So just just our keys. Um, oh, and here's here's something else I wanted to ask real fast before we delve into this. Um, 
We also established through those the Gnosis questions and everything from last time. Um, Hervin and Bereth were your spouses, right? Mm -hmm. And they had collaborated to uh, legally confound your will in some way. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tane helped helped out, which you found out later. And he also judged, ruled against you. So kind of, I think he made these documents official. Is the impression I got. So this is to either Risa and or Austin. Like, what? What's the deal with that? What? What happened? To tie Eduardo into this as well, what if they weren't happy about Viscus joining in on that stuff? And we're maybe jealous about it, and we're maybe like, we want to get this signed that this is officially our area, and we can tell him to get the hell out of here. And like, Mm. maybe that they, I was like, well, all the paperwork seems in order that this is yours. Okay, here it is. Now, like, only these people can be here, kind of a thing. Or is that not enough to So you're the ward of your area? Is that fair? No, no, no. Um, remember, we had those wards on the trees. Or oh, whatever. yeah, yeah. That's like, what I meant by that. Just like the gotcha. magic spell that kind of gotcha. keeps in. Because you have to like recheck it or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, so you're That's checking that thing. Um, I technically I can now. Yeah, I, guess. I think those are your wards. Yeah, you guys yeah. make like them. the elves made. Them. I shouldn't be able to, but mm-hmm. technically I can. If that's something that you'd be okay with him doing, that maybe one of your spouses or both of your it's spouses said I'm not okay at. Mm-hmm. Because it's traditionally, all this stuff is traditionally your stuff. I technically was like, I'm part of you. And you're like, wait, what? Mm. Who's this tiny man? <laughs> well, I, I was sort of leaning towards like maybe Sir Keys wanted to do something that they weren't happy about. So mm-hmm. that was sort of like my my goal. But I wasn't sure if that meant like something within our area or something outside Could of our area. Um, <clears throat> but... It could be in- interesting if um, maybe Serkis is um, like, oh, gnomes, especially gnomes that have elven parts to them. Right. Should be, and you said there's just a handful of elves left. So mm-hmm. maybe like, these, are, these are, should be our friends too, like what Austin was saying, and maybe those two are not okay with that. Yeah, I think I'm okay with that because because of the having like elf-like properties, I obviously know that. So I feel pretty good about that. Like they're not happy with me letting you in and seeing some of these things, or maybe they're not even like they obviously notice. They're probably seeing you watch me do these things, mm-hmm. and I don't have a problem with it. I'm even feeding you some of it, you know. So to try to stop that like potential relationship friendship. Yeah, and as sense. much as we all live in the same ward, we still—I mean, not ward, but a uh, small town mm-hmm. enclave. Yeah. yeah, enclave. That's the word. Thank you. Uh, we all live in the same enclave, but it doesn't mean we all agree with everything yeah, all exactly. the time. So this, especially if you guys are dwindling and we're taking over, mm-hmm. that might even be more oppressive. Where you have to go to the guy who's writing laws and be like, "Hold on, like, yeah, give me, give me a break here. I need elf so, laws." Yes, essentially, th- they kind of um, got like a restraining order against Viscous. Sounds like <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's where they like. I love right. that. They they basically get. Um, some kind of recognition of their like, oh, this is ours, and it's recognized by the human, by the Imperium, right? Mm-hmm. By this branch of the Imperium that this belongs to these people and not to other people. Well, I, I as a gnome, I probably shouldn't be learning anything extra right. because I'm essentially a slave. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and a forced, an immigrant, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think from Tane's perspective, it was just like, well, these papers seem to be in order. 
<laughs> approved, approved, approved. Yeah. And maybe, uh, maybe they, I'm gonna say maybe one of the reasons that you have somewhat less money is because they, like, that was part of this application oh. fee. And it was like, all right, mm-hmm. well, you guys had the paperwork and you paid the fee. Oh, jeez. Here it that is. That would be frustrating. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Never fuck with a person's money. <clears throat> mm-hmm. All right, I love that. So that, and how long ago was that, do you think? Just really recently? I feel like it would be a recent event. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't know how you guys feel, but I like just, only a few know. months at the most. Right? Yeah, exactly. This is still super fresh and very frustrating for Sarkees. Sarkees. Yeah. See? You mess did. Up my name. <laughs> I made me mess up my own name. My name is Shark Quay. <laughs> Shark, Shark Quay. No. <laughs> All right. So. Sarkeso. Oh, not like the Sarkeso. Shark Nate. No. Is Hervin or uh, Bereth your favorite? Or are you closest to? We'll say. Did she was a favorite? Well, it's the one that you'd be currently more mad at because they were your favorite. Yeah. But right now they're probably Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Or it could be your current so favorite. So, Hervin is my wife and gotcha. then Bereth is my husband. And I personally am a little more, I think Hervin might have been my favorite. Maybe I knew Hervin longer. Mm-hmm. I like my first love, and then but now Barrett. I now Barrett's on my side. I'm actually super pissed off more with uh, my wife. Not happy with her. She stole the coins. How dare she? I've known her lo- the longest, so the fact that she did that was very very upsetting. So absolutely. So breath. Uh, I think just how you described elves are kind of like a celestial like otherworldly mm-hmm. so even for you maybe breath is kind of a like sneaky stealthy sort of blends in places so you almost feel his presence like and you realize he's probably been there for a while just kind of and when he kind of notices that you've noticed him he just um her eye squinted everyone yeah <laughs> You have to squint louder. <laughs> squint towards the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Too loud. <laughs> oh, my God. So, okay, I'm going to try to do an elf voice. He says, um, Oh, beloved, it's such a beautiful morning. I'm so glad that you're able to, to feed these quails. I didn't want to disturb you, but it's just, just such a beautiful picture here now without any intruders in sight. It's even more beautiful. He's like, can I help you? Is there more seed that I can assist with? Does Bereth know that I know about all of this drama? Uh, all of this drama between me and Tane? Uh, you tell me. I don't know. <clears throat> you, you definitely found out. Um, I found out. Well, no, he, he ruled against you, so I, right. I assume so. I would right? found out, yeah. Either way. Maybe that's why Bereth is bringing it up. Mm. Of, like, that annoying, like, see, wasn't I right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. Because you said you're all alone. Uh, me being all alone. Yeah, no, you're not true. here. Right, you're right. Personally, I'd like to share this bird seed. Um, and, and Does it have an interesting name? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We're going to laugh every time we say it, I guess. Okay. 
right, let me figure out our name. It's goose um, like goose juice. No. <laughs> Especially because it's a giant quail bird seeds. <laughs> what the fuck are you feeding this thing? I know. I, okay, so. Quail trail. <laughs> no. <laughs> quail trail mix. Stop having <laughs> No? I have a big feed container that's over my shoulder, and uh, it's holding all of the seeds inside, which I want them to be kind of like uh, something magical and celestial. I know this sounds dumb, some sort of like... That sounds awesome. Moon moon seeds or something. That's perfect. I love it. So, all right, moon seeds is what I'm giving them, and they're they're like giant seeds, but they're like... You know what a, like moonstone looks like? It's like an opal yeah. almost. It's like really iridescent. So they're like iridescent seeds. And I have a big bag full of them, like real big, but I'm really big. So I can, you know, handle this weight. Um, so I, I'm, you know, just going to look at uh, Bereth and, but I don't want to look at him. I'm just going to kind of like, you know, toss him some hair and, mm-hmm. you know, just continue on with my work and say, well, I was alone until now (laughs) and personally I I really enjoyed the chatter of my friend um, Viscous because when I'm out here all alone sometimes deep in my thought it's nice to have something to break up the day that's not so serious and um, you know uh, if you'd like to help I can you can grab a bag of moonstone moonstone did I say moon seeds? Moon seeds. Moon seeds. Moon seeds. You can you can grab some moon seeds for, um, for the babies, but don't please don't come towards Glint. I'm spending some special time with her today. Um, and uh, when you're done, you can go consort with her then, because I don't really need anything right now. Shut down. He kind of just takes a couple elven strides forward and is just like, oh no, it's it's perfectly okay, I can help you. It's um, There's so much work to be done, and I know that you and Glint has, have your special hours, but um, I can help with the rest, don't worry. And he kind of starts to take this from you. It doesn't seem like he's going to, uh, you know, kind of do what you said. He's not going to really obey you unless you try to beguile him. I actually want to lie to him. Ooh, even better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what you need to do is tell him what you wish him to do and give him some cause to heed your will. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> actually, I appreciate that you want to assist me, Herben. Forever. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that you want to assist me, Bereth, my dear elven husband. But actually, Glint and I are working on something special today, a a new uh, flying move that we have not been able to accomplish before. So I would prefer, and in fact, I suggest that you go help her her Herven making the breads upstairs for the Elven family for the Sarkeeses this morning. That way everybody's ready to go on a walk later on this afternoon, but uh, I do need you to give us some special time because Glint and I cannot um, do this until we're alone. He'll just 
raise his like uh, what you said they're like metal kind of hands like, like bronze. Um, bronze and like kind of like iridescent sparkly yeah so he kind of raises this bronze hand over his uh, his mouth just oh is this is this some sort of dangerous maneuver that you're learning I don't know if you should be alone if if you oh. would be put in danger <laughs> I would never ever put myself or Glint in danger and you know that better than anyone. I'm here to protect and I'm here to keep my family safe first and foremost. Um, it is a magical uh, maneuver that we're trying that Glint doesn't feel comfortable doing in front of anyone else except for me right now. If this were a Disney cartoon you'd see like Glint in the background like Roop. Yeah, maybe like shaking a tail feather a little bit. But yeah, so um, I think that's enough to trigger this move. Um you tell him what you wish to do and give him some cause to heed your will. Okay. Not, not great. Hold I got on. Two. Do the math. <laughs> I got one and one. And Plus one. one. So you got one three. And one. Yeah. So I got three. So unfortunately, when you get a, a six or below, it's a, it's a bad situation. Damn but it. the good news is that was one of your highlight stats, right? Yeah. So, since you rolled a highlighted stat, you get to mark uh, an advancement, is what they call it now. Uh, well, you mark an experience, experience. Yes. which leads toward an improvement. Oh, that's good. Gotcha, yeah. So do you see where that is? I think it's on the front page. Um, There's little oh, bubbles. Oh, okay. You said I do what now? Check one of those little bubbles for an experience. So, usually when you get a miss, like something bad will sort of happen, perhaps. But, um, Here, let me test it for you, gets on Glint. I know, that's what Get I was thinking too. Like, sh- well, just show me, you know, or something oh, stupid like that. And then Glint's just like... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good quail noise. Shagging his quail shoulders. <laughs> I'm dying. Um, yeah, but I think what I'm actually going to do is... Um, so he's he's kind of touching your arm like oh no this this might be so so violent or so dangerous unbelievable and this is when um, Hervin comes in and joins it's just getting worse and I think um, she's kind of I'm thinking like yeah what is she like is she like as she's not as regal as you right and no. not as militaristic how is she no I think that both of them are are also pretty tall like on the. You know, I'm 5'11", um, he might be uh, maybe 6'3 or 4 or something, but she might mm-hmm. be a little, just sm- slightly smaller, like 5'10 or something. Um, so not, you know, close, but not quite. And she's like, I'm androgynous feminist. She's very feminine. So, mm-hmm. Like the know, delicate flower. Super delicate flower type, whereas he's more warrior type. Okay, and you said, and you said, oh, you should go help her make some bread. Yes. So she comes with this basket, and she's like, "No need, my loves. Mm-hmm. I've made it for for everyone. We can make this beautiful uh, demonstration into a picnic." And I think maybe we can just feel the uh, like the frustration in a uh, Sir Key's heart as we change scenes and move to someone else real fast. Austin, um, it's always also known as Gree and Tane. 
Um, What's up? Hey. In those Gnosis questions, we established that Greyhead was about to kind of kill this troublesome um, human interloper or troublemaker at some point in the recent past. Um, what, What was that about? What happened? And Tane was the only one who kind of was able to convince him not to. Yeah, maybe he had, like happened to be there when it happened. I don't know. Um, to make this all up on the spot, which is right now. So maybe <laughs> the uh, this was a human who was not like a, an important human among the humans, but thought he was super important because he was down here or up here with us demis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can right. I ask real quick? In the library where the tower is, where the humans are, was it a person that worked there? Because we have those humans there, or was it a traitor that came in? Now, yeah, so, Just out of curiosity. Maybe I, that would give them a... I think it, it was like a, yeah, maybe like a low-level security guard working yeah. in the library tower, and was kind of pushing, around, pushing uh, Tain around to legislate him some more mm, okay. money or power or like let him boss some demi-humans around and stuff like that and I just saw this altercation outside so just like a Hulk and Loki situation where I just walked up behind that guy pick him up and start swinging him back and forth on the ground <laughs> oh my God. and yeah. Tain is like stop you can't do that and I'm like what he was causing you problems <laughs> and Tain is like yeah but you're not, it's not your jurisdiction. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? So that person is obviously my immediate superior, right? Yeah, so I'm thinking it's a, it's gotta be. Susan for finance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, getting, <laughs> I'm getting a really good uh, sense of this person. This is, uh, let's see, would it be a captain, a sergeant? So Sergeant Kennett was this person. Kennett? Yeah. Pennant, but with a K. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think this person's just really, just that obnoxious kind of, like you had said, like, oh, he thinks he's way more important than he actually is. And I think I want to hard frame, what's your, in Tain Mulch's uh, office, mm-hmm. of where he, you know, does this paperwork and everything? Sure. What's this like? Um, I think he has... Um, it's like one of the smaller rooms in this library that's been turned kind of into part of the tower. That's the guard like post, mm-hmm. and um, like there's like the magistrate I think who like all the paperwork is like officially on behalf of. But I'm just kind of a clerk doing this stuff, uh, like kind of filling things out, checking things, telling people you have to actually do this other this other paperwork. Depending on how you see this, I don't know if they're. What Tane does is entirely behind the scenes of checking paperwork, or if he has to, like, people have to come in and be like, I applied for this paperwork. Oh, so you're actually in the, like, the guard outpost thing? Or whatever their office space for that is. Maybe they have an office annex where that stuff is done that's nearby. Hmm. I, I like it in the, the old library kind of thing. And especially the if actually Serkiz's, uh spouses came and I had to stamp their paperwork, then probably I do have a thing that's almost like a, you know what it is? It's like a big toll booth. It's like a little bit of a bigger toll booth. And so I'm doing paperwork in this little thing mm-hmm. and that's attached to the library. And 
people can come up and talk to me about these papers and then I'll be like, hold on, and close a window and go get the papers from inside and then come back and stamp them. So are you like the like the main person who deals with these uh, demi-human things? Or are you just another wheel in the cog? I think I'm another wheel in the cog. But I think that they hired... I think Tane was hired in part because he just is good with laws and paperwork. And part of that is like the dwarven, like, here are these laws written down long ago, like kind of a thing. And like, So I guess do the, the demi-humans kind of know that they can come to you to kind of get a better deal or something? I think that they... I think that they know that I grew up here, unlike most of the other humans who will work in these spots, that I grew up here and so I know like a little bit better what's going on and can actually, I can can translate to them. Not that it's a different language, I think there is a different language, but I can translate what the humans are trying to get across to them and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so like- Are you one of the only demi-humans here? I think so. Gotcha, that's awesome, that makes sense. A lot of sense to me. But again, also, he's, like, basically almost... I think people know that he is half-dwarf, but he if he was wandering around, you would just think he was a short guy. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And, and so do you share this toll booth with someone, or did you next that? Uh, if it's the toll booth, then it would be kind of strange to have yeah, somebody else there, like, gotcha. stacked on each other's shoulders. Perfect. So who is your actual superior, then? Is that, um, do you need a human name? I think there's the Sergeant Kennett, and then there's like um, a magistrate who is like the actual person in charge of like the laws getting done here. And then there might be like a straight up, there's enough folks, like a straight up like military leader in charge of like, I might be making this too complicated, but yeah, the magistrate is in charge of like the law stuff and then like the actual enforcement of it goes through the captain's soldiers. Ah, sure. Maybe not the magistrate, him or herself, but maybe like the uh, the person under that. What's the title for that? Their deputy, obviously. Sure. Deputy. Um, do you have a human name you can think of, or should I pick from this list? Um, if we had to pick a culture that these folks are kind of of, what's that culture? We said it looks like this is lots of different ones, but we said the name of the town is. New Vlendale? Yes. New, yep. Yeah. New Vlendale. Maybe this guy, maybe this person's name is... Looks like there's some, they're pulling from like Latin or Latin root stuff because Imperium, I assume. Sure. If that helps. Uh, easy. This, this, this person who's the deputy is Deputy uh, Cassius. Oh, nice. I'm just go directly Roman. Okay, so um, it's probably like a slow morning. It's maybe you just you've been here for like an hour, maybe. I assume it's like the early hours, you know. Do, do you even sleep here, or do you, you probably have your own place? With yeah, Bonk Road. We, we have with both. Yeah, yeah. So you just got here a little while ago. Mm-hmm. It's probably really boring. It's I think maybe but we see a shot of him maybe beforehand. He brought yeah. his lunch because he just eats his lunch there, and his lunch is the medieval equivalent of like. Oh, it's just two pieces of white bread and a piece of cheese and a piece of bologna, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Real, maybe you're just staring at it like, I can't wait until lunch. Yeah. Ooh, this is going to be good. <laughs> it's bread. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, oh, you're maybe, like, itching because mm-hmm. your skin problem. Yeah, but again, he's wearing, like, a longer sleeve thing. I don't know what time of year it is. Maybe it's, like, inappropriate for the weather. It's, like, a little bit warmer, and he's wearing long sleeve, and he's, and he's scratching at himself. It's kind of, you know, quiet. Maybe the smokestacks you, from your tiny window. I guess people can walk up to your window, so maybe it's bigger. But you can see, like, the smokestacks maybe in the, the valley below, or, the, like, the smog, I guess, is what this would be. Um, but it's really quiet. People are just like starting to, you know, wake up and do do their stuff. Maybe there's like a market kind of thing starting, like a few blocks down or something. You can hear the echoes of, but um, it's broken by like this commotion, like these people yelling. Hmm. And it's getting closer. Team is in the middle of thinking. Well, I shave my face. Would it be better if I shaved the other parts of my body because it would feel like I had less dry skin on it? And then that's the commotion. Like, you disrupt his, like, very tedious thoughts. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it's actually that Deputy Cassius, which we described. I'm thinking, I just want to make this, like, um, well, I don't know. What, are, do you have a picture of him? Um... Uh, Mr. Bean. He's Rowan Atkinson. Mm. So he's someone who, like, physically you can't take seriously at all as, like, any kind of physical threat, but he has, um, like, kind of risen up through these ranks of being a dutiful deputy to the magistrate. Yeah. Perfect. So very black adder. And he can mm-hmm. make a mean kind of face. Character. He can make a mean face. So he kind of, um, you see him kind of approaching, like, walking fast, like, um, he's probably got, like, Ceremon- like a magistrate's robes and stuff. And, and he's approaching from like where the window, I can see him approaching up to the window yeah. or he's in the back. And then behind him, um, someone's walking, but you can't really see them. And then he kind of comes up and just, uh, I think we, we established there's lots of hats here. So he does wear like a little hat. He kind of tips it off to you and just like, um, uh, Mr. Tain, so so nice to see you again. We ha- Oh, yes. Deputy Cass, uh, oh, hey, Deputy Cassius. Oh, good to see ya. I think just stepping from behind him, just a, like, boot step, it's this, um, Sergeant Kennett, and just like, all right, enough of the small talk. We're here for, we're here for a problem you're a witness to. Oh. I think maybe he's, is his arm, like, in a sling or something? Um, he's on, he's on, like, a, if he grabbed him by the leg, yeah, his, at least his arm is in a sling. If not, his arm's in a sling and he's walking with crutches. Oh, yeah, a crutch would be awesome, yeah, perfect. Um, he's like, you were, you were witness to that attack the other day. He's like, you mean the, you mean, you mean when you, when you got, uh, when you got in that argument with the, uh, with the troll? Yeah, that ogre that lives in that cage over there came down here, stormed, stormed around through an officer of the Imperium almost across the entire city, and you did nothing. And he's like, what? I don't know. I mean, and he opens like a book, and he looks <laughs> in it, and he's like, there hasn't been anybody, there haven't, there haven't, no, there haven't been any ogres in here in like X amount of time. So, uh, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure he was a troll, but, I mean, it seemed like I, it seemed like, it seemed like the two of us showed him what for. I think he, uh, 
Sergeant Kennet just um, like takes this wooden crutch that he was holding mm -hmm. and just stands on, leans on one foot for a second and just like slams it against like your window area. Yeah, I think yeah, this probably wouldn't have like a glass window. Yeah. So it's just a booth where there's like a sliding yeah. thing so we wax into it. Like, yeah. Almost like a roll like top a desk mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Oh, so I it think I know wax mean. into it and yeah, he's like, oh, oh, geez. And he, I think papers fly up. Yeah. And he's just like um, pointing with his crutch. I almost fell. Dangerous. <laughs> oh, I almost fell off the stool that I sit on. He's like, <laughs> take us to that monster so we can deal with him. He's like, um, and I think he'll say, I don't know. You, you seem like you scared him pretty good last time. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I mean, the two of us, we really showed him. And I think I'm going to try to uh, make the deputy magistrate think that, like, actually. We, we already gave Gree enough what for last time around. Yeah, so I think this might be a move. Were you aiming for one? Yeah, I think I'm trying to beguile them. I work for the magistrate because of the law stuff, so I have the better relationship with the deputy, so I'm trying to get the deputy to see like, oh, this was, this was, already, this was already taken care of. Yeah, and I was gonna say, I oh. think um, Deputy Cassius is kind of uh, maybe look at him and he's like has an eyebrow raised like what's going on here Let's see what we're gonna do sure i got an eight plus minus one seven <laughs> just made that well still not so bad just made it all right so so on a seven and nine uh this character must be convinced to go along provide something tangible that assures him of your dependability serves as evidence of your claims or persuades him in some other way Hmm. Yeah, I can give him like a like witness accounts and I'll give him oh, I think I did take witness accounts of the stuff. Like some okay. other soldier was like, uh, get these people to give you witnesses, give give you statements and it was like mm -hmm. and then he didn't care. And so I took them down and I think I just threw away the ones or no, I just I kept them. I would always keep them, of course. That's one of my flaws. Mm -hmm. I would keep them, but the ones I give to Deputy Cassius, I'm like, like, here are the ones that seem like they're uh, most credible, and they are the ones that are the most toned down and make Kenneth uh, mm. seem kind yeah. of like, they don't make him seem like an asshole, but they make him seem... Instigator, like, kind like, of? Like, oh, I think, I think what it makes it seem like is, it makes you look like you got your ass whipped in something that mm -hmm. you shouldn't have started. And we could get into this, but you'll you'll look you'll look like a wimp in front of the rest of these guys if you bring this up. So just leave it alone. Um, I like that. So it's just like a, a stack of papers or something. Yeah, it's only maybe like five or six things. And um, yeah, Sergeant Kenneth's just like, oh, finally now we can we can finally go to this place. And um, I think Cassius just uh, puts his uh, like a bony finger up just to stop the sergeant from talking. It's like, no, no, we now need to see if this is actually worth uh, our time or not. There's, I, we weren't sure of this attack now. And now that we have eyewitness scouts, I can go back and s study them. Thank you very much. What's your title actually, Tane's title? Uh, just clerk. Uh, th thank you, Mr. Clerk. Um, excellent work here. Uh, we'll come back to you if there's any, any more need. He's like, oh, thanks. You know, I really appreciate it. You guys are 
you guys are great co-workers and Debbie Cassius glad we're friends he's like oh yes thank you very much and he just turns around and just starts walking away fast and uh, I think Sergeant Kennett he's the one who kind of on his crutch kind of turns around but he's just doing that glaring thing at the whole time and just like you know crutches away I think we did establish too that you know where the grove is. You and um, Viscous, right? I think uh, more viscous than me. I don't know if I do. Oh no, right I do because it's in. Tane does because it's in the caverns, and he knows right. like, about the dwarven caverns. So my question would be: Do you feel like you need to warn uh, Gree? Is this something that he sh- they should uh, know about? Uh, I mean, I'm not leaving work to do it. I want to say that you already warned Gree, just like, hey, you should kind of keep your head down. They, there's a chance that you piss this person off and they're going to come looking for you. Oh, okay. Then in that case, yeah, he, he's like, I already did warn him. Yeah, looking at Gree, is it, um, do you kind of go outside of your grove often? Is it is this like a spectacle or is it kind of like a common sort of thing? I think it's common. Like everybody knows the troll mm-hmm. and Green makes their rounds all the time. Oh, the gnomes know the troll. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody. Like, I think I think my daily round is like I gather some uh, some of the rare plants from the grove and just like give them to people. Like maybe I there's like that. a there's like a baker or something like some kind of chef and I just like every day I'm like here's like three of this thing that's like super delicious. It's like the scene from Beauty and the Beast where Belle's like reading a book and going through the neighborhood and every day she's like dodging little children and the baker like always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's that scene. But it's three every upset. morning. <laughs> and like and and like if someone's like if someone's fixing something or like trying to lift something heavy I'll just like do it Mm -hmm. and as I'm like going through town so it's just like a leisurely stroll it's a musical number and we all know I had had a thing that was like like oh the staircase on my house broke and you're like here you go and he's like thanks now I can murder my wife (laughs) (laughs) but you're not aware of these things that are happening but I have been wary since the incident Mm-hmm. Since Dane told me to, so I've been lying low and I'm undercover. I am now wearing a hat. <laughs> oh, what is that hat made of? Oh God! Uh, How big is that? I don't oh, know. Yeah, I, I illustrated it. it. <laughs> 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 oh, I want to see. Guys, he drew How a hat. How big is it? The hat is, I mean, a normal human size hat <laughs> for a giant frog. For frog troll. troll. Yeah. Love Jesus it. I gotta get a picture of that before. That's gonna definitely, uh, that's gonna hide you. Yeah. If, I mean, if you, I guess you didn't get a picture last week, Austin, no. so anyone who views this just know that the hat is new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an addition. Um, yeah, actually, this, um, since it might be a while before you see, uh, Tane in particular, um, would you pass Viscous? Would you be hanging out with Viscous here? Because... The entrance is like your lab, right? Mm-hmm. Would well, you be like, do you help him or them uh, go around and right these wrongs? Um, during the day, um, 
I would say in the morning, yes, but in the afternoon, he's got something to do. That makes sense. But in the morning, he's like that first few seconds, he's like, yeah, cool. I'm help. Yeah, sure, I'll help. Yeah, and you, you are best buds, right? You fit like. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a matter of whether Viscous like climbs onto my back as I amble through the gnome town. Right. On he, my way up to the surface. I feel like whenever he's um, feeling clingy, he would do that. Mm-hmm. Like whenever there's lots of people. But right now we're just walking, right? So he'd probably like. It'd probably be more fun for him to try to catch up. <laughs> Constantly, like I, I don't know how nimble gnomes would be, but like. You could make them. Yeah, I think I feel like it's like not parkour per se, but like whenever he gets too far ahead or he's like helping somebody else, he's like jumping over wagons, like just using his long crazy arms to like catch up. Um, whenever he's trying, I feel like there's definitely a moment where he's like, you would probably lift something and he thinks he's helping, mm. <laughs> but he's not doing anything. You're, passing you're out. standing on it and pulling up. Yeah, like. He's- <laughs> Good. I'm helping! It's like not helping. Jeez. Unfortunately, I've been blocked from going to see the elves, so I've made it more of a daily nuisance in the mornings for sure. Your mornings got freed up? Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't have anything to do in the mornings now. Down here with my buddy. So, yeah, is it just kind of a Gree kind of wanders around looking for people to help? I don't even know if I'm looking for people to help. I'm just... You probably have a path. I have a path that I just go on. It's like, I'm just going for a walk, and when I see somebody who needs help, I could get minutes or hours off track. Who do you always try to avoid when you're on these? And this is your home forever, right? So you've lived here a long time. I think I have been here a long time, and I want to say, I don't know... I don't have an explanation for this, but I want to say I avoid the library tower, not be necessarily because of the humans who are there, but because of some Ooh. history, like secret history, like a personal thing where it's just like I don't even think about it, but I just don't. I don't like it anymore. Um, I love that. Maybe you lost that memory. You've been alive so long. It's possible. Maybe. I like that you just kind of uh, instinctually avoid this library. Um, is there someone in particular that you avoid too? Someone? Um, I'm gonna say that there's like somebody who hates me and I know that I know that they expect me because I go down their street every day mm-hmm. and so I don't look at them anymore. Like I don't mm-hmm. look toward their window. Mm, so they could be like struggling with something and you'd be like, gotta go. It's like a a cook who got really mad like the first few times I gave rare plants to like a particular other cook who's like a competitor mm-hmm. and I don't care or know about their rivalry it's just now this person hates me for like giving yummy herbs to their competition but you do try to avoid them yeah, in terms of not looking toward them. I gotta go down their street. But I know not to like try to talk to them. Because they've probably been pissed. They, you right. can feel energy. Because every time I do, they just yell and like, they'll throw things at me and call me names. I think they're just both dwarves. 
maybe the dwarves are known for their cooking of a particular variety, and that's what made the, these two, like, kind of excel in the community. Mmm. Jor and Kotan. I feel Kotan sounds like a the meaner one. Okay. But luckily, um, Jorit kind of uh, comes over hmm. and uh, just kind of looks up. Um, let's see, how, how did um, how do you describe like actual dwarves again? You said a lot of them were kind of human related. So I'm I'm I actually don't like that. I like that Tain is one of the few oh, okay. um, kind of like half dwarves because like we said it takes them so long to breed. Mm-hmm. Like they. Like, dwarves have a child, like, a dwarf will have a child every couple hundred years or something like that. So even in, like, a fairly large number of them, let alone after a war that destroyed a lot of their population, it's just not a common thing. So maybe Tane's not the only one, but I think he's one of the youngest. So I think other folks who are, like, full-blooded dwarves are maybe, like, kind of gray-skinned Gimli characters Mm -hmm. with uh, big, long beards. And the other thing, I think, is that there is... Um, there are dwarves all refer to themselves in the masculine. There doesn't seem there don't there are no female dwarves as far as any humans have, are concerned. Mm-hmm. There are only it's all like oh, this is my brother and this is my father, this is my mm-hmm. husband and this is my, like everyone is it's, everything is male. Gotcha. And I don't think maybe we'll figure this out later, but I think that's at least from the outside perspective they're all all male. So yeah, I think then this uh, this dwarven cook, this baker kind of, like Jorit kind of, runs runs out. Um, I think he's he's holding this this uh, theme of this episode is baking bread, but he's got these uh, like loaves of this big um, yeah, like what kind of bread would like because grain is like you have to trade it mm-hmm. for the worms, so it comes from the so valley. But I think it's a lot of like fairly like. <laughs> flat, round little loaves of bread that they mm-hmm. can just kind of quickly make. And um, I think most people uh, who, I assume in the Enclave, are fairly poor, like, usually don't, like, if you're, like, most people will not even buy, like, a whole one at a time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they're probably, like, this big. It's like a tiny personal pan pizza of bread. Mm-hmm. And most people would only, most, even families would only buy a portion of that. So yeah. like bread is like just expensive. So I think he's uh, he's holding two, which is already kind of outrageous. And I think there they even looks uh, more fancy. It's got like maybe cherries and fruit and stuff in it, like on top, mm-hmm. like baked into it. You know, it's like almost like a a shitty pie, I guess, because <laughs> it's mostly bread. But um, <laughs> but he kind of runs up, and it's just like, oh, great, great. How how are you? I don't have a voice yet. I feel like I, as a troll. I just realized I have never spoken, so <laughs> I can't wait. I started with the voice. <laughs> you did. <laughs> oh, uh, trolls don't have mouths. We know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, oh wait, am I there too? Because it's yeah, the morning. So. Mm-hmm. He talks like R two D two. Okay, that helps. Good morning. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can keep that up. No. <laughs> it's good. How'd, how'd that come like out? It. It's, it's fine. Good. It's really Perfect. good. Like it. Um, just like, good morning to you too. And I think, uh, just looking up, you, you said you're kind of crouched down, but still like, yeah. at least even crouched down, like double the size of him, I'm yeah. guessing. 
Um, he's like, I, I baked these just for you. Bread. <laughs> oh God! Fuck, 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 fuck. He's like, I wasn't sure if you uh, if you ate these, but I tried to put some things in there that I know you, I know you would like. They're delicious. It's sweet bread. My um, husband loves them. And maybe he sees a uh, viscous now. She's like, oh, and uh, are you kind of famous? You got the lab, right? Oh, yeah, they know me. Yeah, just like, I've never oh, been quiet. And, and viscous too, if if you want. I didn't make enough, but if Gree wants to share, I'm sure he could give you a bite. I pay for both of us. <laughs> With mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this I is love gonna house. Uh, you want me to get the mushrooms, Gree? Okay, and he's gonna call <laughs> up and start like looking for because you don't need to get them. I'm here. All right. Uh, they, did you leave him in your left pocket? Your right pocket? Your left pocket? Your right? And he's just crawling on this frog troll. I love it. Yes, the pockets. No, that one. That one. Okay. Um, and so uh, I he love all these. Oh Jesus! He's gonna pull out with his weird celestial-looking hands. Uh, these mushrooms. I uh, should probably clean them off a little bit. And he's gonna like look for like water that you carry in a jug. Why not? And he's gonna start just dumping them in there. He's making a mess. He's making a mess. Biscuits is helping. And um, still with his hands full of these. these he's just like holding one in each hand. Um, he's a terrible baker. This is very unhygienic. But he's like, oh no, uh, no, no need for mushrooms. No, th- these are these are gifts. But they're already clean. <laughs> it's gonna like, he's. We're just hand holding these mushrooms. <laughs> well, uh, my my dad always said the dirt was the best part of a mushroom. But keep those for the next next folks. Well, next time. You, you heard that? You heard that? Next time. And he's gonna crawl back and just shove mushrooms back into your. What? Why? Why don't you like them? <laughs> Oh, I, I love them, uh, Creed. They're delicious, but I I was hoping I would give these as a gift, and he kind of just pushes them into your hand. If, Thank if you. you. Um, That's a lovely gift. Thank you. Yes, I, I was I was hoping you could keep your your strength up, maybe because I had a uh, well, I had some trouble on that. Maybe you could you could help me. I I know that um that um that mean old old Kotan, who I think uh. He said very, very bad things about you, and now he's kind of, well, he's, he's saying mean things about me too, and I don't know, I think he's taking, you know, all of my customers, and he, now he's like rubbing the back of his neck, and um, oh, stroking his beard with his other hand, so it's like <laughs> this kind of weird thing. Oh, and I, I'm imagining that, uh, bread crumbs. Like, yeah, oh, of yeah. course, yes. Just oh, yeah, he's full of bread. He's covered in, he's covered full of, fl- he's covered in flour. Yes, absolutely, yeah. I imagine since I brought up that Tane shaves, I think beards are like a big thing, or hair is a big thing among dwarves, mm-hmm. so like every dwarf has like really long hair and a really long beard, and especially as they get older, maybe it turns into other weird stuff, but maybe this guy just has a regular beard, but it's like mm-hmm. a long, giant, like, Viking beard. Yeah, exactly. He's kind of stroking that and uh, rubbing the back of his head. He looks very stressed out. He's like, oh, it's just, oh, oh no. <laughs> Customers like mushrooms. And he's, uh, he kind of maybe looks to Viscous as like, eh. he's like, well, everyone loves your mushrooms, Gree, but, um, I am in the business of cooking with these, with the grains and things. They lo- they prefer those, but of course your mushrooms are delicious. It's just, 
you know, my my customers keep going to this this person who's spreading all these awful lies and falsehoods about you. Well, normally we help out. Do you need our help? I can carry. Oh, I, I would I would love some help. That would be that would be great. But you don't want any mushrooms. <laughs> and um, yeah, I forgot to ask what. Okay, this might work out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it seems like one of you, or both, who knows, you could help each other out. Um, maybe seems like you might be trying to, to keen this person, figure out what, what his deal is. Mm-hmm. That sound about right? Kenning, yeah. yeah. I would I would definitely do that. Because, well, he's, if he's scratching himself, that's a physical thing that is an alarm to me that goes, something's wrong. Mm. I've studied people that's enough right. to go, something's wrong. And I communicate with my hands. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what I'm usually doing is touching things. So I'm probably seeing him scratching and like mm-hmm. offering bread for free straight from his hands. That might not be normal either. Like so, yeah. When I ask, it's probably using my kenning. I would I would be like, "Do you want us to help you? Because I'll do it, uh, but I don't know what you want help with." Like mm-hmm. directly psh, eyeballing him. Like yeah. Oh, and you had, like, glasses, too, right? Or was that... No, you had glasses. No, you had uh, glasses, yeah. But I mean, Tane had glasses, yeah. No, I just well, have a random hat. That's right, and floppy ears. With the earrings. Yeah. Yeah. So Fashion. I think I think I'm going to ask you to can a soul, so since the first time. So in a charge moment, this is, like, maybe the uh, the lowest end of a charge moment, but I just want to see how this move works, too. Sure. And when you t- attempt to delve into a person's soul, trying to figure out what is motivating her... Or assessing her reliability. Roll plus Kenning. And I would say that I know enough about this um, because, like you said, most people buy half a bread and he's offering us two loaves full of fruit. Yeah. Like, it's and probably a bigger deal than yeah, regular. Yeah, like says just like even one loaf of bread is pretty mm-hmm. expensive. Cool. So, yeah, I will. Let's see if I can do that. Um, so seven plus your, whatever your kenning is. Um, oh, three. It's really good. Very good. Um, seven, so ten. Ten is the best you can get. And since you're highlighted for kenning, I believe you get to work with it. Improvement. Okay, so yes, that's good. That's a good roll. Do I erase it now that I've used it? No, no. Oh, stays there forever. Oh. Until we change it, which is soon. Uh, (laughs) Oh. I dare you. Um, so on that... Um, since you got a 10 plus, you can yes. hold these three questions. Um, so, Sir Keys, uh, last um, we left you, you, uh, you kind of were stuck uh, hanging out with your these dumb spouses that you're kind of mad with. But I feel like it's been like a while. Like you just weren't able to do your thing. You just had to, I think you were stuck with them mm-hmm. this whole morning. Mm-hmm. And now it's um, maybe a couple hours later. Mm-hmm. But um, I did want to ask some questions. So um, these spells, these wards that the elves kind of maintain, and you in particular, um, I don't know if we said it or not, but are they, um, like, nature-related? Are they tied to these trees that are here? Like, what's what's the actual, like, spell you're maintaining? Um, 
Well, okay, so the wards are on the trees, right? Sure. Is that correct? Okay. Did I make this up? Literally don't remember this. Well, I think sorry. it was like right at the end of the last one. Okay, that was my bad for not listening. They don't have to be specifically no. on the trees. Yeah, and you can just make it up as you go along. Yeah, it's your... Okay. Your Whatever you think would be cool. All right, so what I... Well, okay. But so far we know it's just some kind of spell, theoretically, that the elves are casting that make it harder for, like, an invading army to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Okay, I'm sorry. I remember now. It just took me a minute. Oh, you're good. Um, what I think it would look like is like you can't see the actual spells on the trees. What I would like is they just look like regular trees and then um, whenever like an elf passes by an elven the uh, Scintillus, I forgot that that's our name of what we call ourselves. Mm-hmm. The Scintillus, which is like the glittery gleaming lights. Um, <clears throat> so whenever we pass one, and since I'm like the keeper of these, uh, they reveal themselves as like almost runes, you know, where they're like symbols, but like maybe the limbs kind of start to bend down. Like you think it's just wind in the air, but then you know, like if you're of Elven Scintillus, then you notice that they're actually bending down a little bit and they're leaves are making like the actual symbols Mm. it seems like it's like oh this is just wind to anybody else or to any other normal humans passing by but we see them as like these are the protective spells that are keeping like our magic sort of still hidden from um, the human eyes i love that so you kind of almost cultivated them right yeah just like we cultivate those giant quails and make them our own so, so they just bend to us. Your specific magic, just out of curiosity, affects nature. Yes. Oh. You just yeah. feed stuff moon seeds and it does yeah. whatever you want. Oh my yeah. god, I love it. I feel like they're, they're, <laughs> we're just so in touch with like the universe in a whole mm. that you know we have like the biggest control over like um, the clouds, nature, the sky, you know. Interesting. That's maybe how we, we establish this. Maybe like the sun's higher. Like we can see like the, the smokestacks and everything starting. Or they've started. They're pumping out. And um, I think just an annoyed face. Like you're like Sir Key's kind of annoyed that these spouses that you're not the happiest with are still behind you. Kind of following you about. And they're, they're holding each other's hand like a few paces behind you. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of like chatting indiscriminately. Stop me if, if this seems uh, not what you would do, but kind of just, you know, running your hands across these trees to make sure the wards are still up. Maybe it's like a routine sort of thing. But um, her van just like screams. It's like a, like a horror movie scream behind you and just like falls to her knees. And I think both of you kind of look over both Bereth and Sir uh, Keys. And uh, you see that one of these trees, uh, maybe like a few up, it's just like turned black and it looks like it's like dying.
This American Dice presents the first episode of Demi-Humans, an evil hat game designed by Robert Bowl, featuring the voice talent of Marisa as Sir Keys, Eduardo as Viscous, Andrew as Gree, Austin as Tane Mulch, and our game master, the Demiurge, was David. Music for this episode included Land of a Folk Divided by Midair Machine and Medieval Abstraction by Lucas Pernier and Miloslav Kolar as well as Oblivion by White Sand. Be sure to join us next week for another exciting episode of This American Dice. And please, if you can, rate, review, and subscribe to This American Dice and our sister podcast, Shit Face to Face. That's SFTF for all the kids out there. Join us next week for another exciting episode of This American Dice. Mushrooms. <laughs>